When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Here we go. Jackson over the middle, caught by Hollywood Brown. See you later. Hollywood to the house. Jackson, the spin and toss. Ingram makes a man miss. Diving. Touchdown. Russell Wilson's first pass to Metcalf. And Metcalf had it, lost it, and is picked up by the Ravens. And running in is Marlon Humphrey for the touchdown. There's a second down and three. Jackson takes it himself. Look at him turn back and forth. Oh! He broke his ankles. Now he's got an entourage. And he's got a touchdown. He is Houdini. What a play. 47 yard. Touchdown run by the magical quarterback, Lamar Jackson. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pod Like a Raven. It's March. You probably have a bracket or two that's busted. You probably are watching a lot of college basketball. But every once in a while, it's time to tune back in and check in on your beloved Ravens. What are they doing? What moves are they making? As free agency has hit the NFL in full swing. And what have some other teams done to improve their teams, worsen their teams, or just leave us all with a lot of questions? Hi, I'm Antonio Barbera, and on this podcast, we're going to try to analyze all the things that the Ravens have done to get better for next season. I'm joined by my two co-hosts, first of all, on the West Coast, Jace Evans. Jace, uh, we were talking pre, uh, pre-record here. No bracket for you. No March Madness bracket for you this year. No bracket for me, Antonio. I'm just watching it. Um, to quote a uh, perhaps the most infamous quote in the history of our alma mater, I'm from Maryland and nobody can beat me. That is right, Antonio. The Terps are dancing. They will probably have lost to Alabama by the time you listen to this, but I'm all in. I'm excited for the Terps. I'm fired up. Uh, it's March Madness, and it's also March Madness in the NFL, as you said. A uh, lot, ha- lot of things happening. I feel like one of the more hectic free agency periods we've seen um in quite a while in the nfl so i'm excited to talk about that and uh yeah feeling great this is setting up perfectly that you can hear the enthusiasm in jace's voice but you'll only hear it after the terps have absolutely lost a game by 20 points <laughs> yeah, to alabama they, uh, but we will be rooting for them tonight 85 57 final score comes a tie probably <laughs> What, what can go wrong when you only can really play six guys uh in, on your team in one game but all right joining us on the east coast in dc Tim Horsey. Tim, brackets for you? How many? How are they doing? Uh, just one. 
across two different pools, but I only ever do one. I can't do the multiples. It's too much to follow. And I like that opening weekend knowing who I'm rooting for solidly every time. And, and yeah, we're starting off with, what, uh, two minutes of Terps chat here, which is completely irrelevant because this game will already be decided. But you both are wrong about the Terps losing by 30. They're going to lose by a cool 12, but they'll be down <laughs> 20 to start. They'll rally back to make it within five. Then they'll go ice cold for seven minutes, be down 25 again. Then they'll rally back to like 12 points. At some point with like 30 seconds left, they'll get it to like six. So you're pretty happy about that. And then Alabama will just make all their free throws and the Terps will lose by 12. But outside of that, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Toughness, Tim. That's who we are. Alabama looked to me a little shaky in uh, in round one. Guys, stop! Is stop. only going to end up meaning that they put you know they figure everything out for for game two. But we will see. We'll talk about that game uh, two weeks from now when, when we come back. If we were when we're previewing the Terps of the national title That's game, right. <laughs> Jace with so much he's like me on this on this show today. There's so much optimism. Um, all right, let's get now down to the stuff that you all want to hear: the Ravens news, Ravens updates. Some players. First, we're going to talk about the re-signed players. Not some you know, gigantic names, but as a whole, a, a nice list of, of Ravens coming back next year. And then we will get into some new Ravens, as well as the departed, the dearly departed Ravens. Um, but first, guys re-signed. Pernell McPhee re-signed on a one-year deal. Derek Wolf brought back. I have a hunch that one of my co-hosts is going to like this move more than the others. Uh, Tyus Bowser coming back. Gus Boss, Gus Edwards coming back, Chris Board, Tristan Colon-Castillo, Jordan Richard, Richards, and uh, the f- uh, future random Raven, Eric Tomlinson, tight end, <laughs> all re-signed. So I turn to you guys now. Which moves, which of these are, are your favorites? Some of them are all obviously ho-hum, uh, you know, se- second string players, third string players, but important depth guys. But what name do you like most uh, out of this list of re-signed Ravens? Uh, oh, 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 wait, 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 wait. Are we upset about Derek Wolf coming back? Is is this is this a thing that we're talking about now? Because not, yeah, not upset. I, I thought you would I, rank maybe, and it could be you, it could be Jace, that was just going to rank Derek Wolf very highly on, on this list. Look, we all know who is very excited about Derek Wolf coming back because he stuffs the run and he plays in an interior defensive line position, and that's me. I'm steamed up now. Derek Wolf subtweeting about he's been undervalued since day one, yada, yada, yada. And then the next day he gets a deal and he loves the Ravens. I guess it's just a modern athlete, whatever. It's fine. Um, but yeah, super psyched about him. But that's not the guy I wanted to start with. Um, out of all of our returners, I have to say the Tyus Bowser deal for me. Uh, what was it? I think it was four years, 22 is the numbers. After seeing what some of these other edge rushers who didn't produce anything got in in the uh, in the free agent market, which we'll talk about, I love that deal. Um, I don't think Tyus Bowser is the answer. I think they still clearly need to upgrade that position, even with Pernell McPhee and Bowser there. But he's a guy who knows the system. He stepped up in a contract year, which can be boom or bust. Uh, you never know when the guy is trying to get paid. Understandably, but clearly did well in coverage. Had uh, three interceptions last year can set the edge a little bit. Obviously, the numbers need to improve. I'm not losing my mind over Tyus Bowser staying in Baltimore, but I think that was a very solid pickup that became even more uh, necessary after the losses of, I mean, spoiler alert, you know this, Judon and Ngakwe, which we'll talk about later. Uh, and the way they were able to bring him back for the money they were able to bring him back on, I think is, is fantastic. I mean, the guy, the guy is a starter. 
I think they need to upgrade the other side, and Pernell McPhee will rotate in, obviously, on downs when they need to go a bit heavy uh, for your linebackers. But having having a guy, Tyus Bowser, and having a locked-in starter there, and then knowing now, all right, let's go into the draft or maybe more free agency down the line where we get a, a perennial or a fantastic type of uh, pass rusher is still needed, but Bowser coming back I think is a big piece for this uh, defense. That was uh, definitely the deal I was, I guess, at first blush, kind of the most surprised by. The, you know, you see $22 million next to Ty's Bowser. It does seem like a lot. But then, as you said, Tim, it is, you know, spread over four years. So that's that's not really that crazy. And, um, you know, it's a player they've invested some in. He was a second-round pick in 2017. I think we did see some growth last year, as you said. I mean, his three picks was close to the team lead. I think Marcus Peters had him by one or two. But, uh yeah, um, I think he's been a solid player, and especially, as you said, to lose those other pieces, it's good to retain him. Uh, even though I was a little surprised, just because, I, personally, I don't feel much of anything about Tyus Bowser. You know, he doesn't leave me, like, I don't, like, I think he's a good player, but I don't, you know, he doesn't stand out as a great player ever to me. So, as you said, that kind of does have to change. He does need to step up and ex- embrace a bigger role uh, with these, you know, guys leaving um in terms of favorite deals for me also it is actually Derek Wolf as well uh you know he I thought he was a really good I know the numbers weren't especially certainly the uh the past rushing numbers compared to some of maybe his heyday in Denver um but I thought he really held it down last season I thought he was an important piece for the team you know especially when you know Calais Campbell and Brandon Williams and those guys were out with their COVID issues and injuries um, he was really all they had for a few weeks there uh, on the D-line. So uh, I'm glad they have him back. I think he's a good leader in the locker room. And so, yeah, I was very pleased to see this deal happen. Yeah, both with those two, I mean, it's not a crazy splash, but I would say, Antonio, before you share your thoughts, those are two starters. Like, those guys are going to start. I think Tyus Bowser has proven that he is a starter on this defense, and we obviously know that Wink loves to rotate. But for a team that has some holes that absolutely needed to and still need to be filled, I think bringing both of those guys back on team-friendly deals while you can focus on other issues and just know you have those guys good to go, I think was was great for them. And I guess I, I should say, too, like, probably Gus Bus is my favorite deal, but I think there was a lot less probably, you know, concern about him leaving because he was kind of on a restricted tag or whatever. The only other thing, really, with all these Ravens re-signings, I just want to hit... I think we even mentioned it in the the regular season. The Ravens love Chris Board. I don't know that I get it, but John Harbaugh and Wink Martindale, I guess, they love Chris Board. He he, he was a guy. He got more money than I anticipated. Not that he's making a lot, but you know, I think it's like over one million, right? So it was definitely it raised my eyes that just I was like Chris Board. So. I don't know. Again, not a player I feel a ton about. I have a lot, even less strong feelings about Chris Board than I do Ty's Bowser. But yeah, just the Ravens love him, so I guess keep a guy you like uh, in tow. One of those uh, does all the little things, Jace, <laughs> to get the coach and GM to, to yeah. love him. But um, the only, yeah, I mean, you said it. You added that name, Jace, at the end. For me, it's outside of you're right. Two defensive starters resigned is the Gus Bus deal. Uh, he was restricted, so this was more of a make sure that that no team sort of steals him away kind of deal but you know Ingram is gone you know at at, at this point it's JK Dobbins he's the lead guy but for this offense you need more than one dude first of all and and Gus Bus has had just some strong 
multiple seasons. He's a perfect complement in this backfield to Lamar Jackson and J.K. Dobbins. And just good to know that we have not one but two really, really lethal weapons in the backfield behind Lamar. And now we have to talk about the additional Raven. The the This is the most Ravens splashy move that you could, could drum up, basically, and it's Picking up a nice starting right guard, Kevin Zeitler, three-year deal, $22 million. Uh, he was cut by the Giants and then signed by the Ravens, meaning that the Ravens will not have to give up. There's not, they're not going to lose any compensatory picks by doing this move. It just checks so many Ravens free agency boxes. I'm going to turn to you guys to get your opinions for, on the move, on the player. Uh, I don't know how many casual NFL fans can just sort of pull tape on Kevin Zeitler or think of how much a, a random right guard for the Giants has done in the NFL the last few seasons. But some quick hits. Um, my one quote-unquote concern, he's going to be 32 years old uh, starting week one, and this is a three-year deal. Um, so I get a little nervous when I see the 32, 33, 34 ages for, for uh, a free agent who's getting $22 million. But... Um, you know, it's it's not a skill position player, so I suppose that that age, those those numbers aren't as scary for an offensive lineman. Um, he actually made second team All Pro in 2016, which uh, I had no idea, but shows that he, the talent is there at least, even though that was several years ago. And basically, the best thing about him that in the last six seasons he has missed one game due to injury. This is what the Ravens wanted. This is what they needed: a plug and play starter who in theory is going to be there every game of all three seasons, and you don't have to worry about that position anymore, which was such a concern for the team basically all season replacing Yanda. So I turn to you guys now. Um, obviously not a superstar, not a superstar addition. Uh, he's not trading for DeAndre Hopkins kind of thing, but the Ravens the Ravens don't do those moves. They do the, the Zeitler three-year deals. Yeah, I mean, this, for me... In the offseason, you know, if we were trying to find content, we might want to do the most Ravens, Ravens <laughs> signings of all time. And Kevin Zeitler is right up there, as is Sammy Watkins. But we'll get to that in a second. Kevin Zeitler, a plug-and-play right guard, a clear issue that they didn't address last season. So what do they do? They see a guy that fits their scheme, who was cut by another team, so... God bless compensatory picks. You don't have to get rid of any of those. And they scoop him up as probably one of the first signings in this tampering period that they had before free agency uh, legitimately opened. What was it? Monday morning, we all woke up. I mean, Antonio and I woke up. Jason still was sleeping for about 11 more hours. <laughs> or, or he was still awake from the day before. Or still awake from the day before. <laughs> woke up to news of, oh, look, the Ravens now have their right guard. I love this move. Uh, I am not the... First person, nor will I be the last, that it's hilarious that the Ravens are just stockpiling third and fourth round compensatory picks uh, the same time that they have to pay Lamar Jackson because they know they're just going to have to draft a bunch of talent, hopefully, because they're going to have to cut a lot of others uh, on the team because of it. But in terms of on the field, I mean, you nail most of the stuff. And like you said, none of us are going to sit here and say that we grade offensive line play. So that's why we follow a bunch of nerds on Twitter, like Doug Farrar, who I love to death. But here's some articles from him on why he loves this Zeitler move for the Ravens. So some quotes. Zeitler allowed just two sacks and 28 total pressures last season on 630 pass, block, pass blocking snaps. 
And remember, it was Daniel Jones behind him, not Lamar Jackson. <laughs> and a lot of these all 22 folks, like Doug Farrar, love to point out this, and this comes right from his article in 2020, per Sports Info Solutions, the Ravens ran gap blocking with one or more pulling guards in the run game on a league-leading 245 snaps, gaining a league-leading 1,518 yards and a league-leading 672 yards after contact and a league-leading 13 touchdowns. You know what Kevin Zeitler does well? Gap blocking, pooling <laughs> array, leading that lead blocker with Pat Ricard, who is going to just provide the way for J.K. Dobbins, Lamar Jackson, and Gus Edwards. We talked about a little bit when the Ravens started rolling uh, towards the end of the season last year, how they were running these pooling guard, pooling tackle schemes, where they were basically pulling them the opposite way to free up a massive lane, and then Lamar could basically pick, keep the ball or give it to J.K. and or Gus Edwards. The guy fits. Like, you know, we, we can't break it down any more than that. He fits. It's a team-friendly deal. He was, a, he was somebody who was cut, so no compensatory picks there. It's Ravens, Ravens, Ravens <laughs> through and through. And you know what that means in free agency? Usually it means you're getting a pretty good player. So I am steamed up about a, an offensive lineman. Derek Wolf and Kevin Zeitler is how we're starting this podcast. And, you know, the Maryland basketball team disappointed. It, pretty much a perfect start <laughs> for us. Yeah, I, I I think you guys nailed it. Uh, you know, we've talked for years the old Ozzy Newsom mantra, now Eric DaCosta uh, mantra, right player, right price, right, and that's you know Zeitler checks all those boxes. I think you know a player like Joe Tooney uh, might be better, but we saw he went for what twice as much money uh, to the Kansas City Chiefs. He got eighty some million uh, from the Chiefs, so you it's know a quadruple but, almost. Y- yeah wow so yeah the Ravens weren't spending 85 million for a guard but what they got was they got a solid player who I think too and I'll I'll lump myself into this got so fixated on that playoff loss and just the snapping issues throughout the year we did and I can certainly speak for myself I think overlook uh the revolving door that was right guard I thought Ben Powers was fine uh, once they he kind of solidified that a little bit, but they played what three or four different guys at right guard throughout the year, and you're literally bringing in a veteran right guard. This is the only position he has played in the NFL, and you know I think it is important to remind people he's not Marshall Yanda. He's not going to be as good as Marshall Yanda, but he's a good player and he's consistent and he's solid. And that was missing from the right guard spot last year. Uh, now with Zeitler, you just you you know what you have, and you know what to expect from him. And I think that makes it a really, as you said, perfect signing. And then, of course, the not giving up a compensatory thing, just the ultimate Ravens move of the ball. So yeah, I I love the signing. I was um I was super pleased with it. Um, and you know, probably th- not tease a little bit ahead probably thought we'd see a little more moves from the ravens honestly but this kind of kind of about it in terms of imported guys to this point so but uh for 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 a, for a position they really needed i think it's a pretty solid move so no complaints on this end we've talked about adding a guard uh and re-signing Derek wolf i'm gonna start leaking info that the ravens are looking to sign a fullback so that we can get the full <laughs> trifecta for for tim in terms of who who the Ravens need to have on their roster at all times. They haven't had a haven't had that 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 fullback that Tim really enjoys in a few years. Um, one whoa, other... whoa, 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 whoa! This is a Project Pat podcast. Get out of here! I love. I don't know I what to call him. Is he a fullback? He's he's so versatile. 
Um, Jack of all trades. <laughs> another addition, sort of a, a, what seemed like a strange one at the time, but sort of just seems like a flyer by the Ravens, who need some help at, at tight end uh, with Nick Boyle getting hurt last year. That exposed a lot of, of the, what the Ravens like to do with multiple tight ends. Boyle should be back, uh, uh, of course. They re-signed uh, Eric Tomlinson. But then also traded for Josh Oliver from the Jacksonville Jaguars for a conditional seventh-round pick. Oliver drafted 69th overall in 2019 nice. and then has had uh, apparently a series of injuries. A guy I'd, I'd never heard of, frankly, has had uh, had a hamstring injury, a back injury, a broken foot, and just never really made it work with the Jags, who then were okay to, to let him go. And the Ravens take a flyer um, on a guy who I would assume was highly rated to be 69th overall, and just couldn't you know couldn't stay healthy on the field. But he will compete for one of those, uh, I suppose, third, fourth tight end spots on the Ravens, depending on how many they keep this year. Yeah, I don't really remember this guy from college, but yeah, recent draft pick, very young guy, 24. Clearly has the tools, 6'5", 250. That probably helped get him drafted high. But out of San Jose State, and like you said, uh, I think it's fine because we saw when Nick Boyle got hurt, there was not much there. <laughs> so can't hurt to, uh, you know, just get more bodies in the building. We love three tight ends, and we barely had one last by the end of last season. So Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's the big point is the Ravens are going to keep more tight ends than most teams um but if I read this deal right that that conditional draft pick it's conditional because it goes to a seventh round pick if he makes the opening day roster so like let, let, all right great sure the ultimate but, flyer <laughs> yeah it's it's legitimately the ultimate flyer on this guy so we'll see if he appears in two games I will be surprised and that's pretty much it in terms of who the Ravens have officially added or kept on their roster. And that brings us to you know the, the slightly more underwhelming part of this podcast where they have not made that big deal. They have not brought in a wide receiver yet to sort of compete in theory for the number one wide receiver spot, which we've talked about a lot. Have not brought in a pass roster, so still some question marks uh, on this Ravens team. And the guys that they have officially lost now... Uh, Matt Judon, Yannick Ngakwe, Jihad Ward, LJ Fort, who is just a free agent. He was cut and is a free agent, basically a cap move, where in theory they could try to bring him back at a smaller number if he doesn't sign elsewhere. But I think all three of us really liked LJ Fort. I mean, he wasn't a superstar, but what did he do well was wrap up tackle, and, and that's something that the Ravens have had their own problems with in multiple <laughs> years. But LJ Fort, for the moment, not a Raven. Um, and Matt Skura signing with the Miami Dolphins. Um, guys, we, we knew some of these names were going to go. Um, which one, I should say, we, I, I guess quickly, which one do you think hurts the most, um, regardless of the fact that, that we knew some of them were sort of uh, imminent? Oh, man. This hurts me to say it. It's Matt Judon. He, he still led the team in sacks last year. As frustrated as he makes me, he he is a good player. He's just a frustrating player. And, you know, the fact that the Ravens have done, you know, I guess the hope is Tyus Bowser just kind of makes up for it. But the, to this point, the Ravens have done nothing to replace that loss of production. So that's a concern to me. Now, 
I wouldn't have given him, and we'll get into that, the deal he got, and, uh, you know, I don't really have any regrets of him going, but not replacing him in any meaningful way, I think, could hurt. Yeah, Bill Funny Money Belichick, which we'll get to. Um, Look, I can't say, I can't sit here in good conscience and say it's Matt Judon, based on (laughs) the last two years. So I'm going to go with Morgan Cox. I think that Morgan Cox, you never know... (laughs) I'm half kidding, but in, in, in all seriousness, they're relying on like a young guy now, and I think they might have signed another guy to compete with him in camp. And well, I saw they've signed more long snappers. I believe that was Judge uh, Schaefer from the Baltimore Sun. They've signed more long snappers in free agency than they've signed uh, wide receivers. <laughs> and I do, because again, people could be listening to this podcast on Tuesday or later in the week, and they're like, guys, they signed Sammy Watkins. What are you talking about? We will get to him in a second. Don't worry, because at time of recording... He is flying into Baltimore to visit uh, the Ravens. Um, We'll talk about Judon more when we talk about the Pats. I think there is a very good chance that he leads the league in sacks. There's a very good chance that he turns into a Dalius Thomas and we never hear from him again. Um, For me, I think it's LJ Fort. I just, I don't get it with Chris Board. I don't get it. And look, the the Ravens get, the, the Ravens, Coaching personnel guys obviously get paid to make these decisions, and I understand that completely. But LJ Fort was always there. Like, he was just a guy that made tackles, made plays, had a good play against Houston this year, and, like, you knew he wasn't getting beat on a juke or a stiff arm or whatever it was. The dude could play, and he was a tough, tough SOB, to put it lightly. Um, and so for that, missing a guy like that in the middle while Patrick Queen is still developing, maybe they think that Malik Harrison's ready to make that jump uh, as well, who's kind of that thumper that, that LJ Fort was. And then, you know, Chris Board, who they just, they're in love with, I guess. Sure. Um, but for me, legitimately, I think, I just, I can't sit here and say that Judon's going to be a massive loss. The only way here, I'll put it this way, and I know I'm rambling, the only way Judon's a loss if, is they they don't do anything else to try and replace him. And they're like, Tyus Bowser, Pernell McPhee, got it. We're, we're going to nail this. That that would be a problem. Um, but yeah, for me, it, it's for it. And then if the long snapper thing turns out to be a nightmare and it's like, oh my God, why do they let him go? Because it's just a year of Sam Cook going all over the place to try and catch balls. And then they were like, we should have never broke up the Wolf Pack. We're sorry. I mean, it could be an underlying thing. Um, so I'm not going to sit here and say right now on, you know, in, in late March that this is the main problem for the Ravens, but it could certainly be an issue down the line. People take snapping the football uh, for granted. You know, you think you think everybody can do it. And Apparently the sudden, Dolphins do. They signed Matt Sakura. <laughs> then you run into weeks of it being an issue. Um, another story thing that we I don't want to talk about this but we have to talk about it this was an annoying rumor I feel like last off season a year ago to, to the day where the discussion on free agent wide receivers was is it possible that some that the number one du- those number one dudes those playmakers are not going to be interested in coming to Baltimore because they're just not going to get the targets that other teams are going to give them and it, it sort of got laughed off uh, a little bit because, in theory, NFL players want to win, and that's the number one thing as long as they can get paid at least somewhat, or in some instances, even more than their current team is offering them. So we bring up Juju Smith-Schuster, which just happened, 
uh, I want to say about a week ago, re-signs with the Pittsburgh Steelers. In lieu of reports, and it's just reports, we don't know that this is official, but reports that the Ravens offered him millions of dollars more than the Steelers did in terms of um, the yearly salary and then the bonus as well that was included in that. And so we have to wonder, right? I'm annoyed. I feel like I'm on first take, but I have to bring it up. Is this an example? Because it's Juju Smith-Schuster with 38-year-old, 39-year-old Ben Roethlisberger, who clearly is not the same guy. He's going to be there one more year, and then the Steelers have to find a quarterback. So it's not an ideal situation for him. Is this an example of a receiver being wary of going to Baltimore because of that issue where they just do not throw the ball as often as other teams, and those wide receivers, who can be divas, are not going to get the same number of targets as they would in other offenses? First off, I, I am so wide receiver starved at this point that I was actually upset that Juju Smith-Schuster did not come to Baltimore. And I would have slapped, past me would have slapped current me in the face for saying anything like that. I think yes with a caveat, Antonio. And this comes from Brian McFarlane. Obviously, he's been on this podcast, Raven's salary cap. We will reference him a lot this offseason because he's the guy for cap news, how contracts work, yada, yada, yada. Um, which we'll actually talk about him in just a second as well. I just keep teasing into the future of the show. I think for Juju, the fact that it was a one-year deal, and we're seeing a lot of one-year deals because the cap is smaller than it is because of the pandemic, and everybody's predicting that it's going to skyrocket, so all those deals will be available next offseason. I think the guys getting these one-year deals, yes, will be like, you know what, I don't know if I can come to Baltimore because my stats won't look as pretty when I'm trying to get that next payday. Uh, the numbers for Juju, it was one year eight from the Steelers, and it was one year nine that could go to 14 with the Ravens. I think it was an incentive-laden deal. So really, it was only one million more um, just at the at the base. And I think that played a factor. I, I you know, Obviously, we can't go into his head or anything or talk to his agent or what have you, but the whole narrative of like, oh, I wanted to be back in Pittsburgh uh, – Three quarters of that city wanted you to leave as soon as you started dancing on logos up 20. Like, I don't think there's anything about I love this city because they did not like you back. A a great number of them didn't anyway. But I think for me, these guys who are getting these one-year deals in this free agent market are saying, you know what? I need to find the best situation for myself so that in the next offseason when there is a lot of money, I can say, look, I'm still producing and then get paid again. Um, So... It hurt. I, I thought I think Juju would have been great. I think he he's his his yards after the catch or something, his his ability to go over the middle of the field is something that the Ravens could covet, especially because that's where Lamar loves throwing the ball. But I think that's why he didn't come here. The targets thing, yes. The skip Bayless take, yes, but with the caveat of it being because of that one year deal. And it's possible with Juju, John Harbaugh said he couldn't TikTok. And so maybe that's why, you know, the deal fell apart. God, one, of the, I, one of the incentives was you're not allowed to TikTok once all season. I he hope no. that's the reason. I hope that's the reason. <laughs> oh, I want that to be true so bad. No, but yeah, to your point, I mean, so I, it's weird. I see all sides of it. And I talk out of both sides of my mouth. On the one hand, I am disappointed that as we sit here today, uh, it looks like we'll probably settle on Sammy Watkins. <laughs> their, 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 you know, off-season wide receiver thing. It would have been nice to get a Juju um, type. But, you know, I get it. Like, 
just the way the Ravens operate, you look at, you know, the money Kenny Galladay got from the Giants. He got a big deal, and there's the Ravens just are like so up against the cap. It's just really hard to kind of make that work. Um, and that's kind of going to be the case with you know all the good, great free agents that you signed to multi-year deals, right? So I kind of get why you know you try a one-year thing with Juju and it didn't work out. Um, but yeah, anything on like the big, the bigger term deals, I kind of get why it didn't happen. And you also, you know, uh, as we recorded our last show, we didn't have the terms of Dak Prescott's contract. Well, those are out, and now you start kind of thinking where Lamar's next deal is gonna end up in line and it's going to be close to 40 million dollars based on what prescott got and so i think as a franchise you just have to kind of be cognizant of that and it stinks but i think you know we see and it's so exciting to sign a good free agent especially a free agent wide receiver as tip said we're a wide receiver starved fan base uh pretty much never having had a you know anquan bolden probably the closest we've had to a true star receiver uh, in franchise history, and uh, you know, and we literally won a Super Bowl offensively yeah. when we had that one guy <laughs> on the team. But anyway, yeah, keep the, going. The, the single best. Oh no, uh, no, no! You didn't hear that was actually the defense that won that for all those idiots who didn't actually watch the games and just saw the purple uniforms. The the single best three year stretch in franchise history with Anquan Bolden on the roster. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. Um, but uh, no, I you know I so I think you. It is more economical to go through the draft. I think that's what's so frustrating about the Ravens' lack of ability to draft receivers is there's five great wide receivers in every draft, and every year the Ravens come out with none of them. But if they're able to ever draft one successfully, you know, that's been the MO for every other position on this team uh, is built through the draft. Even though quarterback took a while, you know, Flacco and Lamar, their most two recent uh, first-round picks, both hits, uh, they built everything else through the draft well, except wide receiver. If they could just find a good wide receiver, it doesn't even have to be in the first round. DK Metcalf was a second round pick who the Ravens passed on. Um, but they just hit one of these draft picks and we don't have to have any of this conversation at all about free agency and wide receivers. Yeah, Jace, you're absolutely right. And I, I appreciate you bringing up Galladay there and just trying to get past it as quickly as possible. Uh, <laughs> I feel like the three of us watched just enough highlight tapes of Galladay just until that deal happened and now he's he not going to so be high, Antonio. Just so high. High point the ball. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just, it's clearly a, a philosophical thing with this team. They just don't spend money on that big name. They don't like that taking up a, that size of a chunk of the salary cap. Um, but what kind of things do the Ravens do? And that's going to tease our next segment here, which is called Restructuring Ravens. Because we just got a little bit of news this afternoon. Calais Campbell has restructured his deal where his base salary for 2021 has been moved down from $10 million to $2 million, and Brandon Williams has moved down from 4.5 to $1.5 million. So it seems like the Ravens are trying to make some space here uh, for an additional player, and then the next thing that came out right after that is that Sammy Watkins is visiting with the Ravens, we unfortunately will not be able to bring you the headline of whether or not he signs with the team. That'll, If it does happen, will be either the day that you're listening to this or, or the day after. But I turn to you guys because we I can't remember if it was Jace. I can't remember if you said it on air or not. Actually, I'm not sure if it was Tim or Jace, and I don't remember if it was on air or not. But it was definitely said two weeks ago at a certain point, 
well, we're not going to get Kenny Galladay. It'll clearly be Sammy Watkins joining the Ravens on a smaller deal. And here we are, and I am annoyed, but this is the kind of move that the Ravens get. The the seven-year pro who's not going to get that first-tier playmaking money. But there's a reason he's not going to get that first-tier playmaking money, and I'm, I want to get off this, so I'm going to turn to you guys now. Thoughts on... Sammy Watkins, will he fill the void? Is this Jeremy Macklin 2.0? What, what's going to happen here with Sammy Watkins? <laughs> well, he'll fill uh, void. I'm glad you mentioned Macklin because I was like, Jeremy Macklin, Mike Wallace, Michael Crabtree. Ravens have a very long and not quite distinguished history of signing former first-round wide receivers well past uh, their peak productivity and I think Sammy Watkins is fine. He's actually younger than I think you think. He's younger than all of us. He's 27. Um, so, Why do you have to? That was uncalled for. Come on. What are you doing? I'm going to mute Jason's what are you mic doing? for two minutes. That's a two-minute penalty. Oh, boy. I'm in the Get box. Get the sin um, bin, boy. <laughs> but, you know, so he is younger than I think you think. But he's bounced around. He hasn't really called on. He was the fourth overall pick, so he certainly hasn't lived up to that billing. That was the same draft where... You know, Odell Beckham was in, and I believe Jarvis Landry as well. So there's been some guys who've, you know, really outshone him uh, just from his own draft class. It's hard to get excited about it. I do think, I do, sadly, I think he's an upgrade and will help what the, you know, it's essentially like, what if we had a guy kind of in the Des Bryant mold, but, you know, has actually played football in the last four years? Uh, (laughs) uh, So... I don't hate it. I just don't know that it. it I, I just don't think it moves the needle to the degree that you know. Certainly, a, a Kenny Galladay or even a Juju Smith-Schuster would. Would. Okay, a couple things on Watkins. Let's just lay out the facts here. Um, and we could just record like, the Ravens have signed Sammy Watkins. The Ravens have passed on Sammy Watkins. I'll just add one of those in the post, <laughs> like whatever, whatever works. Um, he has connections to the team. If you didn't know, uh, Ravens pass game specialist Keith Williams, who has come in, has been Watkins' personal wide receivers coach. And then, obviously, uh, Greg Roman worked with him in Buffalo. Let's slant positive first. This comes from Sarah Ellison, who reports on the team. Watkins uh, has been frequently connected to Baltimore because of those relationships. While in Buffalo with Roman, he put up 1,047 yards and nine touchdowns under Roman in one season. He's only 27 and then this comes from Spencer Schultz, who uh, Ravens, the letter, the number four dummies on Twitter. I know I'm just plugging a billion people, but if you want to get real nerdy with Ravens stuff, these are the people to follow. He's just another one of these guys that just loves watching film and just has the time to do it. So good on him. Uh, Watkins is not really the deep threat guy anymore. And the Ravens don't necessarily need that with guys like Devin DuVarnay and obviously Hollywood Brown, if he can catch the ball. He is an over-the-middle type of guy nowadays. Um, He's not your big physical receiver, but he can get open in the middle of the field and move the chains. The majority of his work, 61% of his 55 targets last year, came in the short, middle, and intermediate middle of the field. He caught 85.7% of his catchable targets, and his 63.7% positive success rate on those completions was 17th in the NFL. The stats are the stats are there. I'm not saying they're great, but they're there. Here's the negatives. He was playing in a Chiefs offense with Tyreek Hill. So and Travis Kelsey. So like he was open a lot because he's priority what? Four? Four. <laughs> five, maybe. Here's another one. You want to know the last time he played in all sixteen games? His rookie season. From there, 
13 games, 8 games, 15 games, 10, 14, 10. The dude loves getting injured. It's just a fact. Uh, He's one of these guys that can't stay healthy. And so, look, for the Ravens, you get him on a smaller deal because of that, but why are you spending the money if you can't make plays? Um, It was funny, uh, this news on Monday, Ravens Twitter, which loves to overreact to everything, (laughs) half of them... Look, myself included, by the way, and I'll I'll mention Galladay in a sec. Half of them are like, this is stereotypical classic Ravens, and half the people are like, well, let's try and find the good side. I lean towards stereotypical Ravens. Um, Prediction, I don't think he's going to be Macklin, but I think he'll probably be better than, I think he'll be a little better than, like, Mike Wallace, you know? Like, maybe make some plays and... Who knows? Maybe he can bring some stuff for Lamar, too. Like, here's how Patrick did stuff in Kansas City. You know, that type of locker room presence. Who who knows what type he is, uh, type, type of guy he is on that front. Excuse me. Um, yeah, it, it's not exciting. Like, I, I'm way more excited about Kevin Zeitler than I am Sammy Watkins, <laughs> which should probably tell you. All, and, and, like, my, my personal biases aside about, like, loving offense and defensive line play and stuff like that, I think I'm more excited about Zeitler than I am about Watkins because I know – the impact Zeitler's going to make, and I'm pretty confident in the little impact that Watkins will. And on the Galladay stuff, just quickly, what's bothering Tim? Adam Schefter is bothering Tim because this stupid tweet comes out. Galladay's flying to New York. Everybody's like, Galladay's a giant, yada, yada, yada. They got the money. They're going to pay him all this stuff. Adam Schefter reporting, guess what? Think about this. The Ravens have been talking to his agent. Thanks, Adam. No, like, no, and I really, like, as a family show, I'm not going to do it, but no blank, Sherlock. Of course, the Ravens, in need of a wide receiver, are talking to Kenny Galladay's agent. He's already in New York. He's the top free agent on the market. We know the Ravens aren't going to do that, and yet you sent Baltimore into a tailspin because everybody's like, oh, it's confirmed. Akib Tlaib's out here tweeting, oh, if the Ravens get Kenny Galladay, watch out. It's like, he got seven. What was it? Seventy-two million dollars or something like that. Around those, it's seventy-two, eighty, something like that. The Ravens are never going to pay that amount of money for this guy. And even if it was the one-year, eighteen million-dollar deal, one rewind about fifteen minutes into this podcast when I was talking about how no guy is going to come here on a one-year deal who needs stats for the next season. And two, the Ravens don't have eighteen million dollars. They don't. They just freed up $5 million for their minuscule cap already. I think they have 18 right now after restructuring with Calais Campbell and Brandon Williams. So I'm annoyed. I'm partly annoyed because I get sucked into it too uh, because I'm like, oh, ooh, 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 maybe. And then we just know and we'll inevitably be disappointed every single time when that top guy doesn't come to Baltimore. But, you know, teams aren't built in free agency. You don't win the Super Bowl in free agency, so maybe that's something to think about. But – to, to tie a bow on it, Sammy Watkins, like, it's just, it's it's the fine gif. It's just like, all right, <laughs> cool, like, sure, great. And here's my issue with that. That's exactly what it is, Tim, and that's the problem. This is a team that is, try- uh, his in like, um, single-digit pieces missing to win the Super Bowl. That's the goal. That's what you're trying to do every year when you have the core of this Ravens roster and Sammy Watkins is not the answer for what the need is. I'm going to use one of the worst soccer cliches that Tim is going to recognize immediately, and I don't know how much crossover we have with our listeners in terms of uh, 
soccer cliches, but there's a, an expression that is, but can you do it on a, what is it, Tim, on a rainy night, a cold rainy night in Stoke? <laughs> a cold rainy Stoke. Tuesday in Stoke, yeah. And that's the problem. Uh, Watkins is not the, he cannot do it on a cold, windy night in Buffalo, which is the problem for this team. When things are going good, they do not need the stud wide receiver. They have the running game that works and everything is great. When it's a playoff game and they're down two scores and all of a sudden their running game is out the window and they have to get points quickly through the air and it's third and 14, Sammy Watkins is not the guy who's going to bully a corner and catch a jump ball to convert a first down. And that's what they need. That is the one thing that they need that they have been unable to do for two seasons now in the playoffs. And I joked with Tim before we started that, is he any better than Willie Sneed? Will he have a bigger role than Willie Sneed had for this team last season where they looked to him on third and six? And he may catch it, or he may not, but he's certainly not breaking a tackle. He's certainly not turning a five-yard catch into a 25-yard gain. And he's not going to like bully somebody on a jump ball. And so they're going to end up paying him like $30 million. By the way, this is not going to be a nothing deal. And he's going to have 30 catches for... 400 yards and that's just not gonna do it and so i hate it i'm so annoyed but that's the type of move that the ravens have made for 20 years so you kind of have to live with it and they've done pretty well overall in terms of winning football games but this is not a get over the hump move and i'll be annoyed if they pull the trigger on it one i completely agree with you uh two on on all things but this, he ain't getting thirty million dollars. I think they're bringing him in at this point. The rave, the receiver market is so small that like, I don't know, maybe, but I I don't see that for a guy like that. I see more of the Juju deal where it's he got one eight with Pittsburgh. I think we could do two sixteen or something like that. An update to this story because obviously we are not live, but as live as we're recording this. Adam Schefter, my friend, he like knew, he knew that I just went after him. And he just tweeted this. Free agent wide receiver Sammy Watkins is scheduled to visit the Indianapolis Colts on Wednesday after Tuesday's trip to the Baltimore Ravens per sources. Watkins has also drawn drawn interest from the Titans and the Texans. So I turn to you guys to wrap a bow on this Sammy Watkins chat, which is hilarious because we're doing 15 minutes on it and it could be decided by the time this goes to air. Jace Evans. Do you let him leave the building? Oh, I knew, I knew, I knew that's what you were gonna say. Do you let him leave the building? Yeah, I mean he's Sammy Watkins, right? Like, (laughs) if he gets forty million from the Colts, you say, congrats, Sammy. (laughs) We wish you the best of luck. I think just this whole conversation, just like whether they actually end up with Sammy Watkins or not, kind of highlights. and the signing of Kevin Zeitler, for better or worse, the Ravens have a process, and they're going to stick with it. And I think, you know, we're fans of the team. I think we try to be a little more objective than maybe just the average fan, but we're still fans, and it could just be infuriating to watch them just (laughs) sit out on the biggest names year after year. But, you know, they have their formula. They're not trying to give up us any one of their compensatory picks. They're not trying to... You know, they're never going to spend absolute top dollar uh, on a free agent. Really, when they have, it kind of hasn't always worked out for them. Earl Thomas comes to mind uh, immediately. But, yeah, for better or worse, this team is going to do what they do. They 
you know, they signed Kevin Zeitler. You could argue it's building on your strengths of already being able to run the ball pretty well, and you're kind of doubling down on that. And maybe that's the argument. They say if we can run the ball in a way no one in NFL history ever has, we don't need a receiver better than Sammy Watkins. So, I don't know. It can be frustrating sometimes to follow this team, but this is just what they're going to do when it's free agency in the offseason. So you kind of just kind of deal with it, I guess. <laughs> Tim, my response is, uh, Sammy, can we can we call you an Uber Black to get you to the airport? Is that are you? Well, we will. All right. Um, yeah, we've we've gone on for a while here, so we gotta gotta move on. Um, we'll be back in two weeks to talk about whatever the heck else the Ravens have done and if this Sammy Watkins deal has happened. But for now, we're gonna handle the random Raven and then get into the rest of the NFL free agency news. And it is my turn this week for random Raven. So here is who I have for you: this random Raven. Played for the team for four seasons, not just one, guys. Four seasons from 2001 to 2004. After playing in only six games as a rookie and starting none of them, he became an established starter in his second season and played in all 48 games the next three years, starting in 46 of them. As a Raven, he had 255 tackles, three sacks, and five interceptions, And it's a free agency-themed podcast, so my random Raven ties into this slightly. In classic Ravens fashion, the team let this player walk in free agency, and he signed a six-year, $30 million deal with the Browns, but only played in eight games over two seasons before injuries ended his career. He was drafted in the second round out of Baylor and wore the same number as Tom Zibikowski which was the most known Raven on the list who wore this number. It was confounding to me that no other player had worn this number more notably than Tom Zibikowski and this random Raven. And I have one bonus clue that I'm going to save for the end of the episode because it looks like one of our one of our hosts here has it and the other one is uh, staring I at the ceiling. I think I have but... a last name, but I, can't, I don't know that I know the guys. I'm between two different first names. <laughs> Here's a fun fact. I have a bobblehead of this guy. Oh. Because Royal Farms used to do, like, all the Ravens bobbleheads, and we drove around, and I have, like, all of them uh, at my parents' house right now, including this guy. I, I didn't get, I didn't have it till the number. And then the number, and I was like, oh, yeah, he did sign for the Browns and got way overpaid for what he actually was. And then, yeah, that was the end of him. See, my mind went to a former random Raven. Uh, yes. Similar. Me too. Vein. Me too. Um, which we can discuss later, but yeah, I think I might have it, but Tim's definitely a lot more confident than I am. So I will run through those clues again at the end of the show and add in a bonus clue, which I think is going to bum everybody out uh, on this show, but it's <laughs> it's worth bringing up for sure. Um, all right, let's turn now to the NFL, where there have been a host of deals as all these teams are trying to navigate this first first mysterious cap and then lowered salary cap. Um, a lot of these deals are done this year specifically. Some of these deals are done looking at the following seasons where the cap is going to balloon with the new television rights deal that the NFL has signed with uh, the various partners, CBS, Fox. The, the salary cap in the next three, four years is going to definitely go up huge. So as we look at this year's free agent signings, I'm just going to give you guys the floor here. What what thing what moves got your 
eye the most. Either could be good reason, could be a bad reason, could be terrifying for the Ravens or just plain bizarre. What um, deals or what team made the most noise for you? Well, I feel like we we have to, we have to you teed it up so perfectly. We have to delve into the story of the, this free agency, which is the New England Patriots made many many moves. Um, a near unprecedented spending spree in free agency. They signed two different tight ends to starting level contracts. Uh, you know, they re-signed Cam Newton. Matthew Judon, who we mentioned, has signed a very lucrative deal um, with the Patriots. Uh, the Patriots just spent in a way we've quite literally never seen them um, coming off, you know, a 7-9 and nine season. And it is fascinating. Um, specifically, I mean, the biggest deal they signed, four years, $56 million for old friend Matthew Judon. Um, I was fascinated by everything they did. It's clear that going 7-9 did not sit well with Bill Belichick. Um, and I think it's also clear that uh, he knows the answers aren't on the roster that he drafted, we should say the man responsible for not having the answers uh, on the team. And he went out and spent in a way we haven't seen the Patriots kind of reeks a little of desperation, a little bit maybe, but yeah, the Patriots, I think obviously have to be the story of this NFL free agency period. Smarter men than me have made the point, uh, including Warren Sharp, who I'm sure, you know, at this point, the only reason this is getting uh, lauded as, as a success is that it's the New England Patriots doing it. Every other team in league history who has been, Jace, you said it, I'll more definitively say it, desperate and signed free agents at this level have failed, have completely, completely failed. The comparisons to the Gronk Hernandez days with Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith, I can see it, obviously. By the way, Johnny Smith is, like, fine. He's fine. And Brian Tannehill is a better quarterback than Cam Newton. And this is the entire point. Unless they're drafting somebody, which they're going to have to trade up to do, because, I mean, Jace watches more college football than I do. I don't think Mac Jones is the answer, and I, and I don't even know if he'll be there by the time the, Ra- or the Patriots are picking. Because teams are desperate for quarterbacks. You can sign all the people you want. But if you don't have a quarterback who can play the position, it's not going to matter. You're going to be an average team again. And Cam Newton, he can give me the revenge tour BS all he wants. But you know what he did last offseason? Give us all the revenge tour BS because when he got cut from the Panthers. All the weird wing dings and stuff on the Instagram. Like he, he did this whole thing already. Looking absolutely jacked in his workouts, and I, I didn't forget all these teams passed on me, and then got signed to what essentially was a league minimum deal. Played horribly, and the only reason the Patriots brought him back is because they didn't have any better options, because they couldn't get Jimmy G. So you're signing Jonu Smith, you're signing Hunter Henry, Jalen Mills, four years, twenty-four million, who like famously gets torched, like <laughs> famously. Matt Judon, four years, $56 million. And we'll talk about Judon more, obviously, because he has the Ravens connections. Kendrick Bourne for three years, 22.5. And more egregiously, Nelson Aguilar for two years, $26 million. Nelson Aguilar, who if you don't know, there's a famous video from Philadelphia Local News 
about a man who had to catch somebody jumping out of a window because there, it was the apartment's on fire. Babies, excuse babies me. Babies out of a window. <laughs> had to catch babies out of a window because the apartment was on fire, saved these children's life, and then in the in his, quote, post-game interview said, at least I'm not Agalor. Yeah. Drop him Caught passes. him unlike Agalor. <laughs> <laughs> Caught him unlike Agalor. And that's the man they signed to a two-year, $26 million deal who's now going to be the weapon for the New England Patriots. I think it's a joke. I think the Bills are miles better than them. I think now they're challenging the Dolphins for second place in the AFC East. whoop de doo Now, let's talk about Judon a little bit. I think immediately we all went, well, we knew he was leaving, but are you kidding me? Like, that's the team he went to? He couldn't have gone to, like, the Chargers, and it would have been just fine. There's a lot of comparisons to the defense for the Ravens and the defense of the Patriots, these these multiple set fronts. Judon's very good at playing all over the, the front seven, which I think will be nice for them. And I want to put it on the record right here. I want to do this right here because we, we've been wishy-washy about it. Does Matt Judon have over 10 sacks next season? And I know people are like, oh, sacks don't matter. I can't believe the Bengals paid Trey Hendrickson just for sacks, yada, yada, yada. But look. We're, foot, we're common football fans here on Pod Like a Raven. So I want numbers. As Jace famously said earlier this season, I don't care about pressure numbers. I want sacks. And I couldn't agree with him more. And I'm starting with you, Mr. Evans. Over 10 for Matt Judon? It feels like a lock to me. Because it's just going to drive Ravens fans insane. You know, you can say a lot about the guy. Bill Belichick is one of the greatest defensive minds in the history of the game, if not the greatest. And he, I'm sure, is going to make great use of Matt Judon, and his sack numbers are going to look great. And we'll hear about, I can't believe the Ravens let this guy walk from, you know, the casual national media, and then Ravens fans who are going to go insane. And, you know, I, I'm fine, as I said earlier. I think it was time. We all saw the split coming. I was definitely surprised he ended up on the Patriots and surprised at the amount of money he got, frankly. But that being said, I have no doubt in my mind he's going to clear 10 sacks. Uh, it, it, it just seems it just seems like a lock to me, uh, just based on it just being the Patriots and it being the thing. Luckily, the Ravens don't have to play the Patriots next year, at least in the regular season. Um, but just it being the thing we hear about, uh, you know, Oh, do you see how many sacks Matt Judon had? Why we let that guy walk? It's just going to happen. I just know it is. Absolutely not, Tim. There, there's absolutely no chance that he gets 10 sacks. You know why, Tim? He's never had 10 sacks in his entire NFL career, and he's not going to do it in his age 29 season uh, on a defense that I think is going to blitz less than the Ravens blitz because uh, they're not going to have to blitz as much as the Ravens blitz. Um and the blitzing should have led to him getting more sacks, and yet he still didn't really do that. So I say he ends up with, like, seven, eight, somewhere in that, you know, safe zone for uh, a pass rush, starting pass rusher, but I don't think he gets uh, ten, and certainly he's not going to end up being worth what the Patriots sort of paid him to do. I'm not as down on their tight end moves i actually like that just based on how good they are with tight ends how necessary they are and how what of a like disaster they had last year in terms of tight ends where i can't remember the name of a single one like please feel free to dive in with the name of their starting tight i i knew it once so and then i they drafted haas <laughs> they drafted two they drafted two last year 
and Bill is already done with them. Yeah, so I, I feel like Johnny Smith to me, yes, Tim, he is fine, but he just feels like that's the more he'll be an annoying patriot to me than, than Judon is going to end up being. Um, Johnny Smith will have those red zone touchdowns that drive you crazy, uh, and Hunter Henry, if he can stay healthy, is a playmaking tight end. The wide receiver moves are hysterically horrendous. The Aguilar <laughs> one, the Bourne, they're both overpays. Um, and so I think they sort of end up somewhere in the middle in terms of these moves that they've made. But Judon, no. Eight, eight sacks, and then it maybe goes downhill from there. Because it's, I mean, these four seasons are going to be 29, 30, 31, 32. Um, so I think he peaks with eight, and then it goes downhill, and he may not even finish the contract. I 100% agree with Antonio. I don't see it at all. I think we get some of this like, you know, again, and maybe it's just us because we're nerdy about all this stuff. You follow the people on Twitter who are like, man, PFF graded Matt Judon out at at, at 86 today. And he had like three tackles. He forced a fumble that the defense didn't even recover. (laughs) Uh, He had a half a sack and two 15 yard penalties, but he had like an 86.4 PFF grade. Um, I am ecstatic for the gif of Judon hitting a quarterback late, and then they flash to Bill Belichick, and it's like fourth down, and the team is driving, and he's just losing it. You can see him boiling up, but he's not really moving. Um, Look, I'm not going to – him signing with the Patriots is not going to make me jump off this take that Matt Judon is not a very good football player for what he's being valued at. You know, he's not he's not what people think he is and is how I should put it anyway. Um, So I think there is no way that he gets over 10 sacks. And if he does, Jace, he'll have 11, but he'll have (laughs) I'm trying to think he'll have three against Miami in a game that doesn't matter. He'll have four against like, I don't know, the Bengals. Well, they don't play the Bengals, but put him down for six against the New York Jets. There you go. Sorry. I completely completely, against the whole rest of the league. (laughs) Completely forgot about the Jets. There it is. Jace nailed it. He's going to have six sacks in the two games against the Jets. Then he'll have five across the league and three of them will be in a game that don't matter because that's Matt Judon. I'm sorry. That's just is. Kind of the Matt Wieters of, uh, the NFL, uh, sure. kind of a throwback O's reference, but I was of the mind. I, Matt Wieters, for me, only hit home runs when the O's were up 14-1 to 1 in the ninth inning on the road uh, or when they were down 10-2 to 2 in the ninth inning and never in between. So, kind of a throwback reference, but it just came to mind for me of Baltimore athletes that frustrated me at times. But uh, And the know. last thing with Judon is, if do you guys view him as a... Well, now that he's gotten paid, he's going to try harder? Or now that he's gotten paid, he's going to try slightly less than he did before? Because I'm in the second camp of that. Well, uh, if, I, if I had to... Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, he's famously body built by Taco Bell. So I don't think that bodes well um, you know, for his training regimen, perhaps, now that he's been paid, and uh, et cetera, et cetera. My body's also built by Taco Bell, and that's a problem. So, you know... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I am not optimistic that he'll suddenly ramp up the effort, I guess. Yeah, this whole March, my body's been built by chicken wings, and I am slowly realizing that is not the way to live. Uh, and March Madness is great, but my health is deteriorating rapidly. You know, you It's a way to live. Way to live long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> way to live moss, Jace. It's a way to live moss. All right. Uh, outside of the Patriots, guys, what other teams, what other moves have you liked, disliked, thought were, were strange? Let's do a few minutes here and then... Uh, 
get moving. I just I want to do a couple things. Uh, just a couple teams I want to highlight. Um, I, I'm going to only say a couple words because I know Jace wants to talk about it. Corey Lindsley for Justin know. Herbert in L.A. on that deal is perfect. The dream is dead. Don't worry. Bradley Bozeman will be an all-pro center this year. Uh, the Bucks basically keeping the band together. And I, I'm tired of the whole, guess what, Tom Brady takes less money. L- look at the sponsorship deals, boys. Like, let's, let's take a chill pill for a second. Um, but he did, and the, a lot of those guys did, and that most of that team is staying around, which is wild to me. Um, and then the other one I want to bring up, because I don't want to – I wrote a couple teams down, but I want to go through all of them. And I'm, I'm going to say it. The Washington football team has made some moves. Now, look, I'm not trying to sit here and tell you that the Ryan Fitzpatrick is the answer for them, but I think he's better than what they had. I mean, I think at the very least – he fights with Heineke in camp and it's a camp competition and maybe Heineke wins it. And he's another veteran backup for them. I think it's fine for what they have at the moment. Um, they keep Brandon Sheriff and then they sign William Jackson from the Bengals who even people at the Bengals were like, why are we letting this guy go? He's one of the few guys that's actually talented on this team, a true number one corner. And then Curtis Samuel, who was a lock for the Ravens go after him. And then he ends up being a disappointment because the Ravens picked him. But I think Curtis Samuel matching up with his former college teammate, uh, Scary Terry there on the outside. Those are some real weapons for a team that already has a defense. So, look, as much as we love to bash the football team, and rightly so, I think they made some some shrewd moves this offseason that's going to keep them competitive in a terrible, loathsome, awful division. That, that I Because I, I love Fitz, and I think that is kind of the one thing that's frustrating is they're really just missing a quarterback there. I, th- I, they've done so many good things, and I love their roster outside of the most important position. And I think you're right, though. Fitzpatrick could be a great one-year stopgap with Heineke. They probably need to invest a first-round pick. Uh, they're now at that weird point where you might have to trade up to get them because the team itself might be a little too good to, you know, get a top-five quarterback, which is where they usually the, top, the cream of the crop goes these days. Um you mentioned the Chargers, Tim. They were one of the teams I liked a lot, too. Um, not just um, with Lindsley, obviously, but they also signed Matt Filer uh, and another offensive lineman, so it was clear they targeted their absolute weakest point, and they said, we have the offensive rookie of the year in Justin Herbert, and, you know, had the most prolific passing season a rookie's ever had in this league. And um, they went out, and they did every move they made was to support him. And... You know, as a Ravens fan, that's kind of frustrating a little bit when you see, when you question maybe if the team has done everything it can to support Lamar. But like we said, the Ravens have their process. But I like that move. Um, Another move I personally liked a lot, and this frustrates me, is the Cleveland Browns signed both John Johnson and Troy Hill, um, a safety and cornerback from the Los Angeles Rams, who, you know, are seemingly constantly in cap trouble. But uh, two really good players for their secondary that they'll now pair with um, Denzel Ward and hopefully uh, Grant Delpit, assuming he's recovered from injury. And it has the makings of a very good secondary, which has obviously been a weak point for the Browns in years. And as a team that has to play the Browns every <laughs> twice a year, that's frustrating that they uh, seem to make clear, sensible upgrade. Um, obviously, I think it's a good move for them, but uh, that was one team that caught my eye and certainly being in the division. Uh, the other thing I think you just notice, uh, and you, we kind of mentioned it with the Patriots, because um, I, I think the only team that signed more total dollars outside of them 
uh, of like new money, not re-signings, was the Jaguars. And so, you know, really in free agency, you go through the list and you see team re-sign, re-sign, re-sign. And it's, uh, it's, the Packers have literally made one move in free agency and it's they re-signed Aaron Jones. The good NFL teams do almost nothing in free agency. And that's just something you have to remind yourself every year. Cause it can be, you can get so wrapped up in it and it, it is so exciting. Um, uh, but that being said, one team that baffled me was the Houston Texans who like everything baffled me. Uh, by my count, they signed 18 guys possibly going up, including two different running backs after, you know, they traded Deandre Hopkins for David Johnson last year. Uh, that's tough. Including Mark Ingram, former big uh, trust. Big trust, Ravens. But then they also went out and signed Philip Lindsay, which that just really confused me because I really like Philip Lindsay. And then I'm like, now why do they have three running backs? It's I never know. I don't really know what goes on with that franchise, and I think it's best to stop trying to figure it out. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to jump in here uh, and get as far away from the Houston Texans as possible. <laughs> Jace, of the teams that you listed, the Chargers, I agree, have made all the right moves. They went 7-9 and nine last year and had seven losses that were by one score. <laughs> they then addressed some of the needs. They, they won their last four games of the season and finished 7-9 and nine with seven one-score losses. I'm going to say this now. When we roll around to like July, August, there's going to be so many puff pieces on the Chargers being the sleeper team in the NFL this year and that they're going to win 12 games. And maybe they will. They might actually do a turnaround and win 10, 11 games because they've certainly put some of the pieces together. They have the quarterback. Time to protect him and time to figure out how to win a game late, which is, <laughs> for some co- coaches, better, easier said than done. Um, the last thing that I want to go over here before we close up is sort of a free agency wish list update. And this is going to be... If you're listening to this and the Ravens have already signed Sammy Watkins, the wish list update is pretty much worthless to you because the Ravens are not going to make more than one even semi-splashy move in free agency. But I want to go through some of the names of the guys, basically the best available free agents, um, and shout out when you think there's one that the Ravens should go after, could go after, uh, or would be a good fit. I have, I think it's ten names here, maybe a little less, but... The top available free agents as of March 22nd. This is essentially, according to Pro Football Focus, Melvin Ingram. Shout out. <laughs> Which Shout could out. Be nice. Mel- could Melvin be Ingram. Nice. Melvin Ingram. I, and I will. I will let you go through the rest of the list. That is the guy for me. And it's Welcome. it's it's a guy who just seems. It's like coming off injury. He's going to be motivated. He's going to not cost as much because he is coming off injury, and the guy can get after the quarterback. So. I don't even know what the scheme fit is, but that would you saw that you're like, hey, shout it out when you want it, Melvin. Melvin Ingram. If we come on here in two weeks and he's in a Ravens uniform, I'm like Super Bowl. Let's go. I'm in. I shouldn't have put him first. Yeah, hard agree. The only thing is, if you okay, I don't know if you've have you looked at uh, a Melvin in- Ingram page recently, Tim, or not really. Uh, uh, what type of page? Like a stats page? I have yes. yes. Any a bio page or anything like that? Yeah. Because I was just going to ask as a like a trivia question, how old do you think he is? Because I was not right by several years when I guessed in my head how old he was. Ooh, I actually, I would say, and I'm looking at it right now, before I look, I would say like early 30s. And he so is 31. It. Yeah, he's going to turn 32 very soon. I thought he was like 28, 29. 
as a 32-year-old coming off of injury, you know, soon to be 32-year-old coming off of injury, I have a little bit of pause. Um, but aside from that, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Let me go keep going through the list, and then we'll uh, we'll hit some other names. Jadavian Clowney, still available. Nobody really knows what he's going to do. Uh, T.Y. Hilton is available. He would probably be discounted, more of a slot receiver, which the Ravens could kind of use. K.J. Wright, linebacker. Uh, a center, Austin Reader, Reader, Reiter, Reader. Uh, the Ravens have kind of addressed the center position, but not really. Uh, Alden Smith, remember him? He's uh, an available free agent, defensive end. Carlos Dunlap, Bengals, former Bengals great. Uh, and then wide receiver Adam Humphreys, another sort of slot scat uh, receiver who was available. So, Tim, I agree with you. Melvin Ingram, Jace, any other name that you like off that list, or do you agree with the Ingram uh, grab? Ingram would be the number one for me. I mean, it's very funny to me that the top, because I, I didn't realize this. I just looked it up. He actually, you know, injury plagued season for him last year. Uh, none sacks. Uh, and also Jadavion Clowney, no sacks, which is very funny to me to be like, what do we need to improve sacks? So I do, I do want to add something quickly. I did filter this list slightly by Raven need. So you'll notice most of these guys are defensive ends or wide receivers. Um, so I did filter it, but yeah, so not, it's not necessarily the actual top nine or ten yeah, best. I guess like the Richard only ones Sherman's the Ravens would ever go floating after. out there. But yeah, I, I agree of, of things the Ravens need. Melvin Ingram, probably number one for me. Um, I've really liked his game for, I mean, you know, it, it wasn't just a few years ago. He wrecked Orlando Brown Jr. in the Ravens Chargers playoff game, uh, rushing opposite of Joey Bosa there. So, so for me, Ingram would be one. You mentioned T.Y. Hilton, which at first I, I saw him on the list, the list I was looking at this afternoon too, and I was like, yeah. But then he would be a market up like upgrade <laughs> for most of what they have, and you know, he is one a guy he is prone to run out of bounds and go down and stuff. But he isn't afraid to go over the middle, um, which you know you can't say for I say every receiver on the Ravens. Um, so, so. I wouldn't hate that. I mean, Austin Ryder seems like, you know, he's a solid. He's been the chief center for a few years. So, um, he's probably out of their price range, I'm guessing, but it, it certainly seems like after they sign Zeitler, they're probably looking to the draft or just, you know, we mentioned, I believe them re-signing Tristan Colon Castillo. The plan might be for him to be the center, um, next year, but, uh, uh, the, the the one name that actually really caught my eye the most, and I think might be the most worth taking a flyer on, though, is Alden Smith. Uh, you know, he returns to the NFL after a four-year absence, had five sacks, looked pretty good at times last year. He's going to be cheap. He obviously brings a, uh, you know, list of concerns um, to uh, your team, off-field concerns. But by all accounts, he was pretty good, you know, uh, Seems to have gotten his life in order in a lot of ways and uh, stuff. So um, if the Ravens are comfortable with that, I mean, he'd certainly come a lot cheaper than uh, Melvin Ingram and maybe even a Jadavion Clowney. So if they're trying to find sacks, a replacement for Matt Judon, kind of on the cheap, he might be a, a, a flyer they look at. Played and started 16 games, 48 combined tackles and five sacks. I, I mean, you're right, Jace. It's just the Ravens, I feel like they're so hesitant to go after the character yeah. free agents but that's a that's a really good name that based on what the cost would be 
and the fact that he's coming off of a full season where he played and you heard nothing from him really besides football news, that could be an interesting uh, an interesting note. Um, we will see. We'll be back in two weeks. There will certainly be a few names to go over, a few additions, whether they be small uh, small names or, or some of the bigger players. We'll bring them to you when we come back two weeks from now. Um, if there's nothing else from you guys, no other players to bring up, I'm going to go back to the random Raven. I'm going to read through it one more time. I'm going to add the bonus clue this time because, uh, oh boy, is it a is it a potential <laughs> potentially bumming bonus clue, but it's uh, worth reading for sure. So this random Raven played for the team for four seasons from 2001 to 2004. After playing in only six games as a rookie and starting none of them, he became an established starter in his second season and played in all 48 games the next three years, starting in 46 of them. As a Raven, he had 255 tackles, three sacks, and five interceptions. In classic Ravens fashion, the team let this player walk in free agency, and he signed a six-year, six-year, $30 million deal with the Browns, but only played in eight games over two seasons before injuries ended his career. He was drafted in the second round, out of Baylor, and wore the same number as Tom Zibikowski. Tim, what number uh, did this random Raven wear? Number 28. That would be correct. And then the bonus clue. His accidental injury to Tommy Maddox in week two of the 2004 season led to the unleashing of the Ravens' future mortal enemy, Ben Roethlisberger, who would go on to win the next 15 straight games, two Super Bowls, (laughs) numerous numerous records and just sort of never go away for the next 20 years as a Pittsburgh Steeler. So who is, Tim, I'm going to go to you first because you uh, seem like you had it first. Who is this random Raven? Man, that was him. I was at that game, actually. I didn't think it was him. But also, my dad wanted us to leave early because who knows why. Still scarred to to this day. Uh, It's Gary Baxter. Gary Baxter is the player uh, who... Yeah, unleashed Ben Roethlisberger. I think it would have happened anyway. But, yeah, we can frame it like that, sure. (laughs) You could just dream, Tim. You could dream that Tommy Maddox stayed on that team another, like, year and a half before they started Roethlisberger. And then who knows? Who knows? Bill Cowher was an old school guy. He might have believed in Tommy. Uh, But, uh, yeah, Gary Baxter was the name I settled on, too. I was thinking Corey Baxter, but I think I was combining Corey Ivey and Gary Baxter uh, similar times. And I was fairly certain... I knew Corey Ivey was 35, and so when I thought the number was 28, I was like, I think it's Gary Baxter. Um, Another guy, round, I remember him. I did not remember him knocking out uh, Tommy Maddox. I believe I was at a family reunion that day, possibly up at Fort Frederick, where the Evans family used to, uh, out in Western Maryland, do their family reunions. Yeah, Fort great time of year. (laughs) It's a cool little, it's some fort they built in the mountains in like the, 1700 oh i don't <laughs> doubt it i i don't doubt it there's not much to see but it's a fun time uh but yeah gary baxter uh solid raven that's probably the memory of him is him knocking out tommy maddox uh, i can't remember too much else he did honestly there was some news story i found from uh i guess 2004 that and i vaguely remembered it after i read it was that the Ravens were trying to re-sign him. They were sort of in negotiations to re-sign him. And then the story was that the Browns stole him away from the Ravens by offering him this big deal that he sort of couldn't turn down. 
And then that worked out very well for Gary Baxter, but it didn't work out very well for the Cleveland Browns, which how many times could we say that uh, before running out of time on this Second round pick. So it was podcast. Todd Heap, first round, Gary Baxter, second round. That was that year. <laughs> Not that, that draft. That's a good pull. I get, I get, yeah, I guess it must be. The post-Super Bowl draft for the Ravens that year. Um, but it is, it is Gary Baxter. And I thought it was interesting uh, with Baylor being a number one seed in, in the tourney this year that oh, uh, pulling okay. a, a Baylor alum sort of had a bit of a relevance there. Um, and that's it for us, that's guys, this one. week. Uh, we will see, again, we'll be back two weeks from now to talk about who knows what the Ravens have done to sort of fix this roster, make the right tweaks for Super Bowl 2021. For Jay Sevens and Tim Horsey, I'm Antonio Barbera. We will be back two weeks from now on Pod Like a Raven. Thanks for listening. See you in two weeks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.